Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosovsky here with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Good. Uh, we're going to talk about some new releases that are out in theaters. And it just so happens that they are about strong women. Or women are the lead characters. Actually, I, th- I find them both strong. Yeah, that's true. So one of them is a fiction film called Colette, stars Kira Knightley. It's a British biogra- biographical film, sorry. And the other one is Matangi Maya MIA, a documentary about the pop star MIA, as she's known now, right? Yes. Okay. So, gentlemen's choice, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, you know, we can probably talk about um, Matangi Maya MIA because that's opening tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, Colette has been in limited release, right? Yeah, for about a week. Yeah. But okay. I think it might be expanding this week as well, so. Yeah. Okay. So, Matangi Maya MIA is, as I said, it's about um, the pop star who's known as MIA now. It's uh, drawing from never-before-seen personal footage that goes across decades. Like, she, she started... She picked up the camera. She wanted to be a filmmaker, and she started basically to talk to the camera, and uh, she was very candid. So it's it's really interesting that way. And that's mixed together with footage of her in more public situations, uh, footage of her performing, uh, all sorts of, like, all different kinds of footage of her. And it builds this really... Um, great portrait, I think, of a very complex individual, which, I mean, let's face it, we all are. And so it's refreshing to see this star presented as this complicated individual. And she's particularly uh, complicated, uh, her life, because, you know, she she was a refugee and uh, a young woman who, you know, had to grow up in, in Britain uh, as a you know a woman of color, a child of color, uh, you know with with everything, with all the, the that that entails, and then on top of that, she wanted to be a star, you know, and she wanted to get into music, and uh, she she looked around and there were no other Sri Lankan artists really to to be role models, so she had to be her own role model. And in her own way, she's, you know, she's a rebel. She's a pioneer. She's uh, a a woman. You know, we see the development of this woman and uh, turned mother, turned superstar. Yeah. And she's she had a really interesting background because her father was the I guess the man who founded the Tamil resistance movement. Yeah. The Tamil Tigers. So she's had that political side of her from a very young age and one of the things i really liked about this documentary is it does chart her her rise to to fame and all the problems that that come with fame but when she is talking about what's going on in sri lanka and especially at the beginning you know they her father was still overseas in sri lanka when they came to the uk so even his arrival and she's recording the her siblings reaction to it and uh, you know a lot of it is they're a little upset because they didn't really hear too much from him mm-hmm. he was so busy with the cause that he he didn't have time to even like send them birthday cards and whatnot whereas mia was 
the one kind of standing up for him saying, well, you know, he was doing something really important and this is why. So it was interesting to see that kind of family dynamic. And then as we watch MIA get older and she becomes more interested in what's going on in Sri Lanka and even travels to Sri Lanka at one point to, to try and get firsthand accounts from her family members. And you, you see the, I guess the, the fear that's in a lot of them. Like, you know, that, that community is so, or should I say that country is so divided and there's so much corruption at various levels, you know, um, political police army that even being a, a regular citizen there, like, you know, your life can be taken away from you. And it's just, it was, yeah, it was even riding the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just to see her there and her first end account. So not only is she able to, to make her family so comfortable that they talk, they talk to her in front of a camera in such a candid way, but then her experience is like when she's on the bus with her mother and, you know, what her mother tells her, how her mother tells her to behave because of the soldiers and how if she doesn't, you know, keep quiet, the soldiers are going to hurt her, mm-hmm. both of them. Um, even that, it's it's sort of never-before-seen footage inside a country that is, you know, divided in that way and where lives are at stake just by every walking around doing everyday life. Yeah, and, you know, in the bus instance, there's, there is an assault that happens. Yeah. Um, and as you said, she's, she's told to, to be quiet about it. And, you know, you think of the weight of the world right now, but also her being told at a young age to be quiet is essentially what the British and American media tell her when she's much older and she's got a lot of, you know, star status. But whenever she tries to raise these issues of what's going on, they they don't want to hear that. They just want to hear her perform her song, maybe talk about the Grammys or, or yeah. what have you. And then absolutely, that's it. They don't care about what's going on in the world. They don't care that celebrities should be using their platform to, to speak about what's going on in the world. You know, there's the... The phrase which I absolutely hate, but every, um, the stay in your lane has become a popular thing in the past couple of years, um, partly because of um, the basketball star uh, whose name I'm forgetting. But his his father had made a comment to one of the reporters recently. He was asking questions about his, his son and this, and he was like, oh, telling her to stay in her lane. Basically, you don't know what you're talking about sticking with this particular thing. And I feel that we do that with celebrities all the time. Yeah, you know, that's true. You, if you're an actor... Just act. We don't want to hear about your politics. We don't want to hear about, you know, poverty in schools. Mm-hmm. Just being the next Marvel blockbuster. And here, as a musician, you know, and as a, especially as a female, do the pop star. Be the Britney before, and we don't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, in many ways, she sacrificed a lot of money just to speak her truth. Yeah. And what's equally interesting is with the range of different kinds of footage and her experiences that are represented through all the different, you know, pieces of footage going back to Sri Lanka. um, I always felt that when she spoke about it, it didn't matter what point in the film, like whether she was speaking as a younger person trying to be a star or whether she's speaking as a star. Like this footage, this film, well... His way of, of, I think, answering those people, mm-hmm. the people saying, stay in your lane. It's like, well, wait a minute. Watch this. She knows what she's talking about. She's lived it. Her family has lived it. So 
I feel like this is an answer saying, what do you mean? This this is my truth. Yeah. yeah. This is my life. This is, you know, everything. And it, it's interesting that, you know, we see there's, I think, two really keen moments in this film. And one is the kerfuffle over the Super Bowl performance with Madonna. Yeah, where, the very famous. Where yeah. she flips the bird and that becomes the the narrative of um the Super Bowl or at least the halftime show and yeah that just take, took over everything if you if you remember even in that moment when it happened a few years ago mm-hmm. when, how how many years ago do you, I can't remember I want to say maybe 6 years ago yeah, and, and it's and it's not the first time that female performers have stirred the pot at the Super Bowl like the the Super Bowl is one of those interesting things where the halftime show was such a big to do yeah um and but yet it's always the female performer. So f- when Madonna performed with MIA um, and Nicki Minaj, it was MIA flipping the bird. That was a huge thing. Janet Jackson was the wardrobe malfunction oh, yeah. that almost railroaded, derailed her career. But yet Justin Timberlake performed last year. Well, exactly. Justin Timberlake was the one that caused this so-called malfunction. But it was all. The men never, the men never uh, suffer any consequences for any part they play. Mm-hmm. And Beyonce, when she performed, um, they said that her outfit was too militant. Like, there's, it's a very yeah. interesting. And even the style of, like, the, the the way that the dancers were dancing, mm-hmm. the whole arrangement of the dancers reminded everybody too much of the Black Panthers, and it was like, yeah, the, the, <laughs> it they, was ridiculous. The female um, performers are not allowed to to speak their truth. They right, they can't perform, so they have to follow a cookie cutter mold that male performers don't have to perform. Like, you know, you can have Prince, Aerosmith, whatever, gyrate, be as sexual as they want. And it's perfectly fine. So that in, that moment was fascinating, considering how it took over the narrative when she was trying to focus it back yeah. on what's going on in Sri Lanka. Yeah, that was a, a big moment, and also the New York Times interview, which was also another infamous moment where she, thanks to the fact that she recorded almost everything, yes. that we see footage of the Times reporter gushing over the album that she got to listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, it all was wonderful. But then she turns around and writes this article basically saying that, you know, MIA, she's a, a pop star now that eats, uh, I think it was like truffle fries and yeah. th- is disconnected from the the cause. She's just basically using her, her the cause as a way to just generate more controversy and more More publicity. interested in, yeah, yeah, and sell albums or something. And it's like, meanwhile, truffle fries are, what, $7.00? In but, any pub. Which was something that the reporter had ordered for herself and offered MIA a few. So, like, just even little details exactly, like, yeah. like that. Exactly, yeah. twisted, right? But just to show, like, as we're seeing through this film, it's like, no, she's not voicing this opinion just because it's trendy. You know, she's not one of those celebrities that's going to jump on a cause for a few minutes and then forget about it. We see that from a young age, this is who she is. She's exactly. always been trying to, to raise these issues, even when she started off as a filmmaker um mm-hmm. following oh, i'm forgetting the the name of the group but the friend of hers that was in that uh, oh, big right, popular yeah. i think it's elastica i can't I, the, the name the band yeah was, i can't remember either isn't, isn't that funny today. yeah well, yeah no it's, but even then like she had a, a really great friendship but she kept telling that artist you know you've got this great platform why don't you talk about certain issues and if I was like, no, no, that's not my style. Basically, I don't want to mess up a good thing. Yeah. So she decided, well, all right, I'll make music of my own and I'll use it to yeah. all her albums. 
have a lot of political elements to it while still being catchy and massively creative. So, you know, this was not something that she just hopped into one moment. She's always no. been like that. But the way how the, the world works, the media doesn't want that. They need clear cut cookie cutter. But now... With this film, you can see that it comes from a genuine place. You can mm-hmm. see the development of this. I mean, you you see this footage of a much, much, much younger person, uh, an unfamous person, a non, you know, non-star who – you see the development of this and you see the roots of this. And, yes, I mean, having a father who who founded a rebel group, you know, to save people's lives, the Tamil Tigers – well, of course that you know you can. See, it's logical when you see the film, mm-hmm. and that's what that, that's the strength of the film is that you take someone who's a star, uh, who no we may not know that much about, right? I didn't I didn't know practically anything about her, but in most cases we don't really know a lot about these people. They're just stars and they perform, and there's not a lot of background. But when you have access to footage, and it's so carefully constructed, I have to give credit to the director, so carefully constructed to build this complex portrait of a complex individual. Mm-hmm. Um, all, you know, that this is a really strong film. It's a really great film. And, uh, you know, it's following in this whole documentary renaissance, you know, of um, f- fact being stranger than fiction not stranger in this case but it's it's as engrossing yes. as a story and yeah. but in this case it's true this is this person's life yeah regardless of whether or not you're a fan of her music like you you'll find a lot of fascinating things in this film and it's presented in a very um energetic rebellious way which is that's her yeah <laughs> it's it's fitting for her <laughs> absolutely yeah i didn't know anything about her really I knew the name, I, you know, I saw, like, probably saw the, the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, didn't really know her music, and I just, I, I it, she's enchanting. Mm-hmm. I, I a, love her. And I was it, a fan of her, her music. I had her first two or three albums, but mm-hmm. after watching this, I went to iTunes and downloaded the two that I didn't have. <laughs> I was like, why, why did I stop listening to MIA? Like, she's wonderful. I now I, I, now I need to download some mm-hmm. MIA because now I'm a fan. You know, even if you're not a fan, you might end up being. That's right. But in any case, you can have an excellent experience with this film and with this individual. Um, so, yeah, it's opening on Friday, tomorrow. That's Matangi, Matangi Maya, M-I-A. Oh, and I remember, I finally remembered the name that I was thinking of, LeVar okay. Ball. LeVar Ball was yes. the... His, his son um, plays for the Lakers. And, oh, yes. And it was in, in one of the interviews... It was LeVar Ball who told a female reporter to basically stay in her lane, which was a was a horrible, horrible moment. Yes. And so watch this woman, MIA, define her lane. She defines mm. her own lane. And all power to her. Now, uh, the next film we're going to talk about is Colette. It, uh, it did open at the end of September. September what so that was just Friday. Mm, yeah, this was a week ago. Just a week ago. So it's still <laughs> okay, so. still very fresh. <laughs> so with with all this weather change, it feels like it's been a few it months, really does, right? Yes. Um yeah, and it's going to actually uh, expand next Friday. That's the information I have. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's in Toronto and Vancouver. No, it's in Toronto. 
Okay, so anybody listening from Toronto and everybody else, get ready. Because it's going to expand in you. It's going to expand. So Colette, like I said, is a British biographical film about a writer, a woman, who when she gets married, uh, she marries this this sort of um, writer, publisher. I guess he's more of a publisher. Yeah, he's more of a publisher. tries to pass himself off as a writer. Um, He doesn't really write the stuff. He has people write it for him, but it's under his pseudonym – uh, under his name, uh, he goes by the name of Willie. Everybody knows Willie. And so Willie marries Colette and uh, eventually convinces her to start writing. And she decides to write this this sort of semi-autobiographical stuff. Um, and he jazzes it up, you know, making it a bit more uh, risque, a little more tantalizing for the, for the people. And it's a huge success. And... Through this experience, she and her voice get stronger and stronger, and she starts to bend the rules and bend gender norms and stereotypes. Um, And so you see the rise of this person from, you know, simple country girl to a more sophisticated kind of individual. And um, so, you know, it's a historical period piece. It's uh, it's beautiful. Yes, as they are, right? And um, it's sort of within that genre quite strong because I think, you know, it's got these elements, like I said, of fooling around with gender and, you know, non-traditional roles with the husband and wife, but still maintains the very traditional, like he's still in charge. And that's what bothered me about the film is that the film takes so much time to build up and establish who she was, and then who she is, so that by the time we get to who she becomes, the film ends, right? So it kind of reminded me of Mary Shelley in that you've got this writer, she's coming into her own, she's getting her voice, and when she finally gets her voice fully and completely, oh, that's it, we say goodbye. So yeah, I was going to bring up Mary Shelley. <laughs> So since you brought, since you uh, since you brought that well, subject, well, we had that conversation about Mary Shelley. So, so please, it, yes, it is like Mary Shelley in the sense that this woman is trying to find her voice, and you know, through basically due to the the era, the the man who has very little to do with getting that voice out there takes all the credit. I think this film is way better than Mary Shelley. I think it's far more um, energetic. Like for really yes for for a period piece, uh, Mary Shelley, I found was, you know, I was kind of indifferent to Mary Shelley, but it just kind of went on went on. Whereas this one, I found myself really engaged in this film, and I and I think please the, tell me why I think she finds her voice a lot sooner than um, I think you're giving her credit for. Like I understand when she ultimately gets to put the books out under her name. Yes. But we see her pushing back a lot early on. She's pushing back, but she doesn't come into her own fully. That's what I mean. Yeah, but I think a lot of that had to do with the system more than her. Because even when she was coming into her own um, from a sexual standpoint and writing these books, you could see um, Willie trying every which way to regain control. Mm-hmm. That's, like he's yes. he's always, and that's what I think I found interesting because she starts to redefine how 
people in that society think, and especially women um, become like, you know, a, a market that is never really tapped into um, by books previously because right. they, they were shocked by how many young women are thinking. But then again, he tries to craft the, the narrative of the image. So, you know, he, it's, he's like, well, let's, let's make it into a play. Let's have uh, more women look like this fictional Claudine. He even tries to get her to look like Claudine yes. at one point. Claudine is, yeah, Claudine is the character that she created, that she's writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he's doing all that. Yes, yeah, so he, he's, he's... It's all about him. He, Willie's the hero. I don't think he's the hero. I think... Up until I think then. from... He's the, the entrepreneur... Um, especially in terms of the image, because at that point she doesn't really care that much about the image. She plays along with it um, at beginning to like, you know, especially in the bedroom to kind of please her husband, but that quickly passes away. And then it it becomes, what I liked about it is as she's going through um, writing more books, more people realize it is her that is this stuff. Like as much as Willie's prancing around and, oh, I'm the toast of the town writer. Most of the people in society know that it's um, Colette that is writing. They're like, this is about you. Right? And and they're fine with that. And she, I think at first she's just, she doesn't really care too much about the the business side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where, where Willie tries, I guess, maintains control to a certain extent. But then he's a gambler, a boozer. So he's throwing away the money. And it's only when she realizes what's going on financially that she's like, okay, I've had enough of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've put up with you for, to a certain extent. She even calls him out because they were, they were both at one point agreed to have an open relationship. Mm-hmm. But when he tried to break the rules of that relationship, you know, again, she had to try and take the power back. So I think a lot of the film is her forging her own path with him trying to hold the, the reins mm-hmm. and he keeps fumbling every step of yeah, the way. Yeah, but she has the, the, the amount of struggling that she has to do before she finally breaks free from him is so frustrating. But I think again, it's not as frustrating as it was in Mary Shelley. I agree. Yeah, but, but I think it, it has to do with the time though. It really it does. It does have to do with the time, but the film because if you think, I don't about, like telling filmmakers. Which, sorry, yeah. okay, go no, ahead. No, I was just, uh, I would just say, if you think about, there's a point in the film where she starts getting into theater. Mm-hmm. Um, her and her lovers essentially decide they're going to put on this theatrical production, and he try Willie again tries to sabotage it. You know, get some people there that he knows will have an issue with two women on stage doing this Cleopatra um, routine. And he thinks that, okay, I'll embarrass her. She'll kind of go back into the the little cave that I've created for her and things. With, but she doesn't. She pushes on. She pushes on. She even endures going on tour and, you know, penniless to, to prove a point, right? And through all those moments, Willie's still trying to grasp, trying to control, but he, he, he never can. And I think, again, just the, the way how the society is designed, they're more... Like we can argue, it hasn't really evolved that much, but they're they were no. more they're more comfortable with um, a a woman playing a certain role, just as we said in the first film. Whereas in this one, I find Colette is constantly trying to to buck the expectation. Yeah, you know, I I actually it was frustrating, but I appreciated the fact that she was fighting, and I understand that it's in a certain. In fact, the film itself is within a certain 
historical period within so that has conventions mm-hmm. so as a as a period piece it was much more interesting than so many that i've seen yes. you right it's a bit, it's more alive than others that you i agree with you there okay however the film is stuck in that the film could have broken some rules and played around with and not spent so much time on the build up Mm. And which I, you know, again, I don't like telling filmmakers what to do. You know, you should have done this and you should. It's not my, this is what the person put forward, right? So this is what I'm saying. Because there was so much time spent on the, on that, I'm not enjoying it as much. It takes so much time to build up to it that when she finally starts fighting back and winning some of these, these fights, I'm kind of exhausted and not as interested Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like the film has stayed so conventional for so much time, right? It is much more interesting. I would say as a historian, if you like period pieces and you want something different, this is it. This is what you're going to get so far. But still, the film stays within the rules of the form, the rules of the historical you know, period drama. It stays within those rules still. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. I, Which to me is kind of boring. But, but I will give it kudos for the, you know, for, for going into unmined territory in that, in that time period, which is lesbian relationships and lesbian identity and identity bending, you know, gender bending and, you know, mm-hmm. with, and that, that's, that's interesting. But it takes too long to get to it. That's, that's... Yeah, I think when it started out, and I was like, oh, that's going to be a period piece. I I went in thinking, oh, this is going to be a long kind of plotting ex- <laughs> experience. And like, do I really want to see another period piece about a female ri- writer mm-hmm. who the male takes credit? Again, going back to Mary Shelley. But I found even though it, it sticks within the, the form of the genre, I I thought it was a lot more exciting and interesting than most of the films in that genre it's not a perfect film no but it's one that i would definitely say yeah go see call it you know it's isn't again for a period piece it's a lot lighter yeah. than if i thought it was going to be yeah if you love period pieces and especially if you like period pieces and you want to see something different this is it and i call think it. i think kate uh, sorry kira knightley and dominic west I think dominic west yeah i thought they had really good chemistry together like i was very interested in their dynamics even when Willie's being horrible. Yeah, you know, Dominic he, West finds a it, way to make him. It, yeah, it was. It, he was still interesting. Yeah. yeah, he was still interesting. And you're <laughs> thinking like, oh, you can never, man. You've done some really bad things. You can't go any further. Oh no, he is. He's, <laughs> know, he's found a different way to just, try and turn the screw a bit. So yeah, he's just he's way too charming. Mm-hmm. Like Dominic West has created this character that is uh, irrepressible. In a, in a way, and Kira Knightley, I have to give her credit. Like on top of whatever I've said. Kira Knightley is uh, she's a force in this film. She's really good. She's she really she carries the film and as she should. She's the lead and and it really d- relies on her and she's she's amazing and it's 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 a performance that I hope is going to be rewarded in some way because it is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And she's again she's done a lot of period piece films over her career. Yeah. And, but well, she's got that face, that whole look. I don't yeah. know. It's just like, it's like, there she is. There's Keira Knightley. But this is piece. one that I think <laughs> would stick out a little bit more for me. Like, but if I'm going through the list of all the period films, I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, she did that. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. She, she was really good in Colette. So. Yeah. 
Okay. You know, and I will I will throw one other film out. Yeah. There. So now we're gonna like so have a total different if, bent. If you want a film that breaks conventional form, okay. Then I think you should check out uh, Let the Corpses Tan. Which is a film that I guess was a big hit at Midnight Madness at TIFF last year, and it's finally hitting theaters um, tomorrow. And it is a visually stunning um, film that blends spaghetti western, uh, I guess, elements of giallo horror, but not really gory, just in terms of style and 70s crime thriller. And it features. I would say the central character is a painter by the name of Luce, who is Luce, Luce, who is um, at her isolated Mediterranean home, and she's spending time with her ex-lover and her current one, and some a whole bunch of people come to the house. So the first um, group being a three robbers. Who have just stolen like I think two hundred and fifty kilograms of gold, and oh. along as they're getting away, they stumble across a woman, uh, two women, and a child. And it turns out that Luce's ex-lover, it's his current wife, who I guess he's been stepping out on, and her child. And they brought the maid along as well. <laughs> and then on top of that, the police, some police, track them down. So you've got all these people at the same house with a bunch of gold and very little trust. And most <laughs> of the film turns into like a just a stylized shootout fever dream. Um, there's, if you want to talk about female empowerment, there is a lot of sexual imagery that is more, I guess, shown from the female point of view. Um, which is also empowering and disturbing because sometimes there's bodily fluids. Like there's a lot going on in this film. <laughs> so if you want something that's going to break form, that's not a period piece. This is the film. I, and I will say that I was never bored with it. It's, it's fascinating to look at. I wish there was a little more character development. Um, there's for me, the film got a little repetitive towards the, the last half, but even saying that just, visually like there's a lot going on in this film so if if colette bored you in terms of its form this one is the the anti-colette <laughs> all right <laughs> let the corpses tan the anti-colette that's right <laughs> i don't want to be anti-colette but i understand what you're saying <laughs> female artists in both films just this one has a little more action or you a little more and some bodily fluids body fluids paint and just a lot of stylized imagery it's like a psychedelic trip it really is <laughs> it really is Woo, okay and i think it's a husband and wife directing duel and um i haven't seen their other films i think they've done two previous films but i'm at least even though i didn't love this one completely it entertained me enough that i i want to go back and see their other because they're very they're definitely unique filmmakers ah now there's now there's something right that there's, that's a that's something to recommend mm -hmm. if if you want to go check out their other films, right? Yep. Okay, so start with Let the Corpses Ten opening in theaters tomorrow, Friday, October the fifth. All right, so that is a lot of choice. I think a lot of different things going on, and you know we'll just keep coming back and keep talking about more, right? Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of great films coming down the pipeline. Okay, thanks for listening.